So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Log Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch a bird of flack I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim thugging them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season, the season vet I don't need respect, all I need is shit Might check me In the spring of 2011, um, I remember it, and I can close my eyes and I can see it. I was, I was at the apartment of my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we were kind of in the middle of an argument, uh, a conversation about moving to Memphis. And she had gotten the job in Memphis, and I was not happy that she was leaving. We had been together for a little while, and and I wasn't quite sure um, whether I wanted to continue on and, and make that leap uh, because it was a pretty big jump. I had never left my home of Virginia, and I didn't know if I was prepared to do that for this person. And in a break of the conversation, uh, I was flipping the channels. And I came upon the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs in the 2011 NBA playoffs. And I remember the first Memphis Grizzlies player I ever saw was Marcus All. And he looked awful. <laughs> he looked so sweaty and so disheveled. Um, this was pre-gardening Marcus All, uh, the, the larger version of Mark. Uh, and I say that with love. I'm, I'm a larger gentleman myself. And watching him and those guys play, I'm not going to say it made me decide to go and move to Memphis with my girlfriend because it didn't. But for me, so much of my life goes through sports. A, a lot of how I see the world, a lot of my own concept of who I am as a person uh, comes through the idea of sports. And seeing the way that the city responded to that team, seeing how Marcus Gasol and his teammates played. And like I said, Mark was the first one. I'll never forget it. It made me feel like I could make a connection that would help me feel like Memphis was home. And Memphis did indeed become home for me and for my girlfriend, now wife. And it, it's a place that we still obviously hold very near and dear to our hearts. And I still do this work with grizzlybearblues.com in large part because of Marcus Gasol. So before we get into the 
the basketball side of things before we get into what this means for the Grizzlies and all the breakdown of the actual events of the day. I want to say thank you to Marcus All. I don't know if you'll be listening to this. If you read grizzlybearblues.com, I'm pretty sure you do <laughs> based off of things I've gotten in the past. Um, but I want you to know that you have made an impact on my life. And for that, I can never repay you. I wish you the best. And I hope that you win a championship with Toronto. I might see if they do customized old school Raptors jerseys and I might get me a Gasol one. Uh, you are a major part of why I do what I do and why I fell in love with that city. So thank you, Mark. Thank you for what you did with St. Jude, what you did for the city and what you did for the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you very much. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinak, site manager over at SB Nation's grizzlybearblues.com. It's been a crazy day. It's been a long day ever since about, uh, I think I, I did the time, maybe one o'clock uh, central time. Things got really crazy. Uh, maybe a little bit before that, things took off. It was very much a rapid fire. Garrett Temple and Michael Green for Avery Bradley, and then the Gasol trade broke, and then later on, Shelvin Mack, and for about an hour there, it was very touch and go in terms of whether Mike and Conley, Mike Conley would go. And then the Woj bomb hit with Conley staying. And it's been an intense little run of hours here. And I want to bring our guest on at this time. Um, very familiar with the, the overall way that we do things, of course, here. Uh, he is the host of Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, a wonderful podcast. I have a chance to do that uh, do that show on a weekly basis. I have a weekly segment with Mark King, and and I'm grateful for that. He's also the associate uh, associate editor, excuse me, of GrizzlyBearBlues.com, kind of my right hand man, so to speak. And I, I am excited to have him on to talk about all of this craziness because, and again, it was a crazy day. He did an emergency podcast. He helped with the trade deadline thread. Um, and I, I kind of gave my emotional two cents here at the top. Uh, I kind of want to get Mark King in here. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining me, obviously, on a crazy day. Uh, it's pretty obvious that this is, you know, Zach and Tony departed in free agency. You know, they kind of had an opportunity to play out the slate, and, and it felt like it was coming. And even this felt like it was coming. We knew it was possible that both Mark and Mike could be gone. But now that it's complete, and now that Marcus Gasol is no longer a Memphis Grizzly, uh, before we get into what it means basketball-wise, where are we at uh, with Mark no longer being a part of this franchise after over a decade? Yeah, I mean it's definitely something that is different. You know, it's, it's, you, you think you talk about it like that, it's you know you have people in this city and kids and you know that that's all they know is is Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, and that's what they've grown up with. I mean even back to some other people that they brought a bunch of fans on when they made that run in, in 2011. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that can, can directly be attributed to this or for this franchise from Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. I mean, you're talking about, you know, two of the, the most decorated, I'd probably say Marcus Gasol is the most decorated uh, Grizzly of all time. So like, it, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a surreal moment for sure. I mean, it's going to be weird seeing him in a Toronto uniform, but I'm happy for him. I'm happy that Marcus gets to go to a, a contending team, and, and literally, quite quite literally, overnight, he goes from a terrible situation in basketball as a Memphis to a situation in Toronto where 
they have a legitimate chance, a legitimate shot to play for a title this year. I mean, that's got to be pretty cool uh, just for him, just to be able to, to do that basketball. And, um, I'm excited for him to be able to do that. I think that's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of, uh, I suppose there'll be a lot of people in this city watching the Toronto Raptors games in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that that's really something to kind of keep in mind here is, and it helps me feel better because uh, I'm, I'm a little broken up over it, Mark. Um, the, the idea of him getting a chance to play for a championship, because we, we all obviously wanted that to be like, we wanted that to happen in Memphis. Of course, we wanted him to be able to do that with the Grizzlies and Mark did too. That's part of the reason why he stayed uh, was to try to build a championship team with Mike Conley. And, and of course Zach Randolph, Tony Allen uh, years prior, um, you wanted to see that come to fruition here, but since it's clearly not going to, you want to see it for him. Uh, selfishly, the Eastern Conference is going to be awesome. The Eastern Conference semifinals are just – I haven't watched the Eastern semifinals in a long time, except maybe a bit of LeBron here and there. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch probably both series because it, it lines up to likely be something like Philadelphia versus Toronto and Milwaukee versus uh, – shoot, it's slipping my mind sitting here right now. Uh, but who's the other one? The other, there's four of them. Four teams in the East. Come on, Mark. You're not helping me here. Uh, the Celtics. Who, who, there you, you go. So, Celtics. The yeah, Celtics. Sorry. I got I it. So it, it's Milwaukee, Toronto, <laughs> Boston, and Philly. Uh, those are the teams. Uh, obviously, Indiana, as of this recording, still in the four seed, but they're going to slip, uh, you would imagine, with Oladipo out. So right now, it would the semifinals, if it all went chalk, would be Philly versus Milwaukee, and Toronto versus Boston. That's phenomenal uh, basketball. And, and for the first time in a long time, you have a playoff situation where the team coming out of the East obviously will not have LeBron James on it. And Marcus All could very well be in the NBA Finals. Like you said, that'd be really cool to see. And I'm kind of hoping that that's exactly how it plays out. Uh, getting on from the emotional aspect of it, because obviously we could talk about that, or at least I could for a long time, um, the, the, the basketball side of things, the actual trade itself, which I know you were not the biggest fan of, but the acquisition of Jonas Valachunas, uh, DeLon Wright, you had C.J. Miles, and then a second-round draft pick coming back to Memphis in exchange for Mark Gasol. We really wanted a first-round pick. You and I both were in that boat. But I do think that perhaps, and I'm guilty of it just like anybody else, we may have overvalued Mark a bit. It is important to understand that, from November 27th or against the Raptors, I believe it was ironically up until the trade rumors broke really. So almost for two months, he was not a very good basketball player and he's 34. He has a player option. He might opt out of Toronto. I don't know why he would, especially if Kawhi stays, I'd imagine he opts in now. Um, but you, you look at a situation where he is not what he once was they got Delon Wright, who I think is going to thrive in a larger role. And I'm acknowledging I'm, I'm a bit of a stand for him. I like him a good bit as a player. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is a per 36 dream. That's obviously a flawed stat because rarely do players play 36 minutes anymore, especially bigs. But he, he's shown the ability to rebound, which is Jaron Jackson Jr.'s weakness. I understand being disappointed in not getting a draft pick. But to me, if you're going to – if your goal is still to convey this pick in 2019 to Boston, which to me, that's the biggest message of the day's moves, is they wanted to maybe give themselves a little bit more financial flexibility while still conveying the pick. That's part of why they kept Conley. But now, while we're talking about Gasol, 
Are you feeling any better about the value you got? they got for him, or are you still pretty out on the Gasol trade itself, the pieces that are coming back to Memphis? Well, I think it really depends on how you view – how you view the prism of what their goal is. You know, if you view, if you view your goal as the Grizzlies and you think that you're just trying to get better as a team, then it's a, it's a good trade. I mean, Valanciunas is a good player. Uh, Don Wright, I, I think, is is a young player, the type of young player you're going to get from Marcus All is with with uh, a, a player that has some upside that's maybe been is down on that that team they're in. Like, you know, uh, if, if you view it through that prism that you know that you're just trying to get better as a team, I think it's a good trade for Mark. It's not great; it's just good. But if you view it through the prism of which is, I have long viewed it as what your goal should be, your goal should be to get assets either through young, good-ish players or through Jazz assets. And if you view it through that, I think it's not a great – it's not a – it's still meh, but it's worse in that sense because you don't – you get a couple of players uh, who are likely not going to be on the roster next year. I think Valanciunas has a player option, so is uh, Miles. I mean, those guys, I think Valanciunas could get a long-term deal still, so he might opt out to try to get a – you know, something like a three- or four three or four-year deal. I mean – you view it like that, and then they're like, oh, well, if you really wanted to rebuild, then you kind of – that's really not a rebuilding movie, if, so to speak. It's more of a – and I said this – I think I texted you this. It's more of a like a win now. It, it feels more like a win now. It feels more like a we're trying to save our jobs kind of thing. And, you know, again, it's just I, – I, I like Valanciunas as a player. I just don't know if he's going to be here long term. Now, if the Grizzlies like him and what they're offering, he's still only 26, so they could still try to keep him around for – uh, for for numerous years that they wanted him to opt out and do some type of longer term. I mean that's a kind of a different story, but just on the face of it, you know, I, I doubt I doubt he's going to be here next year. I mean C.J. Miles as well. I, I, you know I think he probably opted actually because I'm not sure he's getting eight million dollars. I don't know, but I, you know it's highly doubtful that either one of those guys are going to be even here next year. And even with all of that, you know, it still really doesn't give you the cap flexibility that you quote unquote want. So you know. It, I think it's a good deal. It's mediocre. It's it's very just meh. And that's because I view it in the prism of you should have gone into with different goals. And I think the goals that I think I thought the Grizzlies have are different than what they actually have. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We're talking with Mark King here. He's the associate editor of grizzlybearblues.com. He also is the host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so, at King underscore producer. Uh, the Gasol trade obviously gets the headlines. That's the major focus of of all of this. But at the same time, Memphis was actually fairly active, surprisingly active in terms of the things they did. Uh, I'll get your quick takes on a couple of these, and then we'll get to Mike Conley uh, because there's a game tonight as we record this. We'll, we'll go a little bit faster on GBB Live than we normally do, um, and then we'll come back to Mark full circle. Uh, looking at the, the trade of Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple for – Avery Bradley. Now, the Grizzlies have had interest in Avery Bradley for years. So the acquisition of Bradley is not that surprising. He was rumored to come to Memphis in free agency an offseason or two ago. It might have just been last offseason, to be honest with you. Um, his contract is only partially guaranteed for next season. I think it's a $2 million guarantee out of $12 million. So in theory, Memphis isn't going to lose a ton on this deal. Uh, but at the same time, they get a trade exception. This trade happens right when the Gasol trade happens, so it's almost like it was subsequent moves, being able to do both things to make one more likely than the other, obviously freeing up a roster spot 
helps with that process. Uh, but at the same time, the, the two for one, you heard rumors building up to today, Mark, of, and obviously it changed when they made a different deal, Houston possibly being interested in parting with Brandon Knight in a first round pick for those two. Now, here is where I agree with you a little bit more. I've always said Jamichael and Garrett had value as $15 million coming off of somebody's salary cap books, uh, whether it's to New York before the Brazingis trade, um, Los Angeles is taking advantage of it to an extent. That money coming off of your books allows for you to be a player in free agency, something that the Grizzlies are not and probably will never be, at least in terms of getting a max player to come to the Grizzlies. So you're, you're in a place where you, you make a trade – for a guy who may help you. He's not what he once was, at least as a defender in my eyes, from what I've seen of him. Um, The numbers back that up as well, having one of his worst seasons. You get a trade exception. There's some things salary cap-wise that help them here. Sometimes, if it's accurate, and we don't know if it's a confirmed offer or not yet, if the Houston in 2019 first for those two things was real, and and they didn't take Brandon Knight 2019 first-round pick for those two, that, that's, a, that's a mistake, I think, by this front office, even more so. Again, I think the Gasol trade you can debate on. The universally what-are-they-doing deal, aside from the cap flexibility, is the green and temple trade. Yeah, I mean, I, this, is, this, is the, this is the trade I said on this. I did an emergency show today. I think you mentioned off the top. But this is the trade I said that this was the bad one. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I know you can try to rationalize. I know like, I've seen Harrington, Chris Harrington of the Dale and Memphian rationalize it because he's very logical all the time. I'm just not I – just, I just don't see it that way. I mean, the idea that you're – you know, the logic of sense of is that it's not guaranteed and you can maybe flip him for somebody's bad money that is guaranteed for an asset in the summer. Like, that's a lot of, like – I mean, you're really over – I think you're really overestimating our front office if you think that's the kind of deal they're trying to make long – like, first – having the foresight to make that type of deal. Like that's I just, think if you're listening to this podcast, unless you are the Memphis Grizzlies front office, which from time to time, I'm pretty sure they do listen, but maybe not today. They've been busy. Uh, it, I think that most folks would agree. Chris Harrington's smarter than the Grizzlies front office, at least in terms of his explanation of things oh, compared to the I'm, acts I'm of the front office themselves. Yeah, I'm just, and I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, you can logically explain this deal, and Chris does a great job of it, but A, I don't – I think you're overestimating um, the foresight of our front office. I, I mentioned something like this on Twitter, um, you know, flipping Valentinus or, or something like that, and Matt Herlicka tweeted back at me and said you're, you're, you're overestimating the, uh, what our front office is capable of, and, and, and it's very true. Like, what we see is logical, you know, connections is not what they see, and so – that takes a it's, it's a long process from point A to point B to get to like yes it's non guaranteed taking on some of us bad money in the summer for uh, asset to get a guaranteed it's just that's a lot on the surface of it Chris Wallace is like Avery Bradley but Avery Bradley's a bad basketball player right now he's been bad all year and arguably one of the worst Clippers at the beginning of the year arguably one of their worst players so not only do you create cap space in the summer for the Clippers you take on their negative asset and also you give them two quality assets that can start on any playoff team rotation or not start, but be in the rotation for any playoff team in the NBA right now. So I, that I just, I don't get, I mean, on the surface, they're going to say, well, that's all we could get for Jermichael and Garrett was Avery Bradley. That's it. That's all we could get. But I just, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that you can, that Marco Fultz who may never play basketball again 
or may never even never play it correctly, got a first, a second rounder, and Jonathan Simmons. You can't get you can't get a second rounder. For, I mean, you, you're talking about Justin Holiday who fetched two second rounders and two players. Granted, that's from the Grizzlies and they don't make good deals. But like the idea that you couldn't get more for Garrett Temple or Jamaka Green separately or together, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's true. At least it shows a bit of an ineptitude in terms of an inability to negotiate properly. Uh, and I agree with you on that, at least when it comes to this kind of a deal. They're prioritizing the wrong things. This is the deal of all of them that made me feel, I think you mentioned it in our Slack channel, this felt like a Chris Wallace decision. This felt like Chris Wallace liked yeah, Avery Bradley, absolutely. and this is why he went in this direction. I think the Raptors trade, you can make a more logical, reasoned argument for it's like Wallace broke back into the room and said, ooh, you can get Avery Bradley. And someone's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Let's do that. There's nothing else on the table. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that's kind of what it feels like. So I'm with you. We're both kind of out on that trade. Although, I, again, and as you said, Harrington of the Daily Memphian does a great job kind of breaking it down logically. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm not sold on that either. Uh, the one that I think everybody can agree on, and, and God bless Shelvin Mack. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice person. But, but he's kind of become the, the, the scapegoat. <laughs> For some of the issues of the Grizzlies of late, uh, he had an amazing start to the season, and then he cooled off rapidly. Uh, he's no longer a Grizzly. They trade him for Tyler Dorsey. I had to look up Tyler Dorsey. I knew who he was. I remembered that he played with Dylan Brooks, but I had no idea how he was as a pro. So I had to go and look at his stats when we were doing our trade deadline thread over at Grizzly Bear Blues. And uh, he shot well in college. He is not shooting well now. He, he might be a very bad basketball player, but you know what he is? I'm going to apply the Bruno rule to him. He is 22 years old. He's under team control in terms of draft picks and money and that sort of thing. And he's a young guy that could possibly thrive with opportunity. And that's how I look at the Tyler Dorsey acquisition. He's someone who could become a rotation player for you, whereas you know what Shelvin Mack is. And I'm happy to give up what we know of Shelvin Mack for what could be of Tyler Dorsey. Even if it winds up being nothing, it's not like Shelvin Mack was going to be a long-term answer for you in Memphis anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies fans will have to figure out something to blame the losses on now, right? I mean, again, <laughs> not be able to blame Shelvin Mack anymore. Uh, you know, Shelvin Mack, he's a great guy. Always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, always took the time out to talk to me, so I wish him the best. But, uh, yeah, you know, flipping him for Tyler Dorsey is fine. I mean, Tyler, Shelvin Mack just got weighed. I mean, he's not even on team anymore. So, like – Putting him for something, and, and, and like you said, Tyler Dorsey may very well be a bad basketball player. We don't know. But that's, 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 that's what you have to find out. You have to find players like that that you can take a shot on and figure out what you have. I mean, it, and, and that's the reality of the situation when you're a small market. Those are the type of deals you got to do. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't work out. I mean, he might be a bad basketball player, uh, but he, he might have a chance to change things around. Like you said, he's a, he was a good, good shooter in college. Sometimes that doesn't always translate to the NBA. It just doesn't. It's, it's just different. Um, it's a different game. So like, maybe he can find that that, that you know that shooting shook again. Like, you know, I know that it doesn't always translate, but you know, a, sh- a jump shot is a jump shot, no matter what league you're playing in. So, um, hopefully, you know, maybe he can get some playing time, and maybe he could turn things around. I don't know. I, I, I want to ask you this though. I do. I do something I don't think anybody's said or talked about. With the acquisition of those two, those guard, the guards and stuff, what does that say with they, their thoughts on Javon Carter, though? You know, like. 
I think it says that they think Javon Carter's a point guard. You know, DeLon Wright to me is a combo guard. He can play the one, the two. He's kind of malleable. He's he he looks to me like the the smaller version of Kyle Anderson. Obviously not the defender that Kyle Anderson is, but but to Wright, the Wright to me is that kind of player who can play multiple positions, can be a facilitator, can be a shooter. Again, Kyle Anderson's not a shooter, but hopefully my point is he he can fit with different types of players. Wright can. And he can handle for Mike Conley off the ball. He can be the true point guard. He can play off the ball. He can do a lot of different things. Uh, I don't see Javon Carter as that guy. I think you misuse Javon, especially at this stage of his career, alongside Mike Conley. I think he needs to be the true yeah. back point guard. I think you see DeLon Wright slide in as the starting two guard for the rest of the season, especially with uh, Dylan Brooks out. I think you'll have Wright sliding into that spot. And with Wright there... I think that it allows for Conley to play off the ball and be more of a scorer. I think that enables Javon to be a true backup point guard. And I'm excited to see Javon get that opportunity because he was in a similar situation to Mac that when those two guys had to play alongside Mike, it may have helped Mike because he was able to get into different types of offensive sets, but it impacted them because they were out of position. So I see Javon Carter as a true backup point guard, and I think he's going to get an opportunity to do that now. And that makes me excited for him. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, Javon is I think his 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 uh, his ceiling is a backup point guard in the NBA. That's his that's his that's his ceiling, and I think uh, anything beyond that is a, probably a stretch for Javon. But I think, given the opportunity, if he can manage the offense, backup point guard, I think that's you, know, you can carve out a role in the NBA. You can carve carve out a long career in the NBA being able to do that. I mean, every team needs a backup point guard, and it's you know solid point guards that can manage the game that you know that coming off the bench and are willing to play the role is, can be sometimes hard to find. I look at the Grizzlies. They haven't found one in a decade. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. Except for you know, 15 games of Shelvin Mack and Mario Chalmers, and maybe a head of Nick Calais here and there. There wasn't a ton. There's nothing consistent, that's for sure. A couple more questions here with Mark King of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. He also is of GBB, uh, my associate editor over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. Make sure you're giving him a follow if you don't already at King underscore producer. The last thing that we're kind of taking stock in as we review the trade deadline, and then we'll get back to an overall grade for it to close the show, is the decision to not trade Mike Conley. Because Conley's name was just as active towards the end in these rumors as Gasol's was, if not more active. Utah had an offer, and Detroit had an offer, and Indiana was getting in the mix. There was a rumor of Toronto wanting Valanchunas and Lowry for Conley and Gasol. And, you know, there were all sorts of different things being floated, but... At the end of the day, with I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes to go in the deadline, Woj reports that the Grizzlies are sticking with Conley. They like him as a mentor for Jaron. Mike had no desire to go anywhere else, uh, which I thought was interesting that they said that. Mark, you know, there had been rumblings that Mark was ready to move on after the way everything had kind of gone down. Um, How do you feel about the decision to not move on from Mike? Because I'm fairly sure you could have gotten a first-round pick for Mike Conley, but at the same time, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors. Does that really do it for you to to completely blow up the entire uh, Grizzlies franchise, essentially, to move on from just about everything and everyone? Uh, is it worth it for that package? I think that's probably something that they weighed. And, again, in the back of their minds, they had to keep thinking about conveying that first-round pick to Boston this season. It's a weak draft. Top three or four guys are worth it, and then everybody else is kind of the same. Get rid of the pick now, reset in maybe 2020, gauge value and, uh, and trade offers for Mike in the offseason, 
where people in theory have uh, trade space or cap space, maybe not Utah, but other teams will have cap space. Uh, how do you feel about the decision to not trade Mike Conley? I mean, I'm fine with it. I, I always said that there's no reason to trade Mike. Trade Mike. Um, you know, I only, only thought you would trade Mike is the situation you don't want to put him in a really crap situation for the past, for the next however many years he's here, just because, you know, you want to, you owe him to, just like you owe to Mark to try to put him in a winning situation if you're going to go into a rebuild, I think, to the player. Um, but I think that you have to separate, I think you can separate the idea of trading Mike and the idea of conveying the Boston pick completely. Because I think you can, you could have traded Mike and gotten that package back or whatever and still been able to get to nine to convey that pick. I mean, we're talking like a couple games separating the eighth and nine. We're talking about probably winning four to five more games at the, throughout the rest of the year. Like, it's it's not that much. So, like, I think those two things aren't necessarily hand-in-hand. Hand. I don't think they necessarily, like, you, you, you don't trade Mike, so now you definitely have a shot. I just don't think that those two are, like, you know, one has to go with the other. Now, like – the packages that were presented for Mike Conley, like Rubio and Favors and a first-round pick, I think that's I think that's pretty fair value for Mike. I mean, I know people don't want to hear that, but like, I think that that's a very fair fair value for Mike, considering that Favors Favors is actually a good player, and so is Ricky Rubio. And you could have flipped those guys. If you you know you could have done other deals, or you could have you know Favors. Those guys still have trade value. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, you're not getting just like really bad money. Last Cashola deal, if it if the deal was like Biombo and this is for Mark, but this is it was like Biombo and MKG in a first round or like a heavily protected first round. He's like, no, you know, just just walk away. Like that's that's dumb. Like you don't want bad money and protective picks. Like you know, you weren't getting the young player in that deal with, with Utah, but at least you were getting players that had trade value for the future. They were good, they were on good, decent contracts, um, and you could have done other things with those players to get those other assets that you wanted. And so that's the kind of thing where the hangup was with me. Like the Utah, yes, it's not the players you want. They might not fit into your future, but you could have done those deals to get Rubio in favor so they do other deals to get the young players and the assets that you want. And so, and that all being said, I'm I'm fine with them keeping Mark. I like the, or excuse me, Mike. I'm I'm happy that he's here. He's he's really fun to watch. Um, it's fun to talk to. So like I'm I'm fine with him. Um, and you'll see what you get in the summer. Like the only thing I'll say about waiting is is that I think it. It puts more pressure on teams right now at the deadline when they're in a playoff race than it is in the summer when you basically reset everything and people are starting to scratch. People are just looking to add players they think will be good together versus putting pressure on a team at a front office and a coach to win right now when you're in a playoff mix like a Utah is, like a Detroit is, to be able to get up in those top spots to make a run in the postseason. It's pressure right now to make those deals versus in the summer. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure those deals, some of those deals exist. But I'm not sure the same pressure exists from owners, front offices, to, to make those deals to make a playoff push. I will say, to be fair here, Mark, we had just talked about how you don't necessarily trust the front office to take that many steps. You just said you could take Ricky no, Rubio I, and their favors. I absolutely agree. Uh huh. Yeah. Agree. So that's the one thing so, I'll say. You, you, um, go ahead. You're absolutely right. They, they, they. No, you're absolutely right. They. And that, I, think that's, I think that's what I put on Twitter. And Matt, Matt Halek was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to make that many moves." And, and you're right. I don't, I don't think they, they probably could. But the idea of it, and if that's the what you're, you're talking, just the idea of the value of it, yeah, you know, like that's fair value for Mike. Now, again, <laughs> I, you, this front office and being able to make that many steps, they, I don't think they've ever done deals and turn around and be able to do more deals. I don't even think they've ever really done that to success at all, or even done it at all. 
Um, yeah, that's probably putting too much pressure on the front office to do that type of thing and to make those type of moves that, quite frankly, other off, other front offices around the league are able to do. But you see Wade Baldwin got traded like 14 times this week. Like <laughs> He got flipped for asset after asset because people were just trying to get, trying to get out of the tax line and everything else. So, you know, it, 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 while the Grizzlies front office can't do it, there are other front offices that probably could. And, and the idea of the value, just player for player and what you're going to get from Mike, it was fair. You know, I'll, I'll say that about the Utah Sure. No, that makes total sense. We're finishing up here with Mark King of Locked On Grizzlies and of grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already, at King underscore producer. Now, Mark, the, the question of the day, I tweet this out every week that we have a podcast. Uh, one of these next couple of weeks, we're going to take a break. I don't know if I'm going to take a break uh, after on the uh, 14th before the All-Star game or on the 21st, probably on the 14th or on the 21st because – we have Jaron Jackson and Mike Conley. Now, that is another positive, Mike Conley in the skills competition. So that's another thing that we can watch on All-Star Saturday night, Conley repping the Grizzlies. Um, so that, that's a good thing, as I just realized that sitting here. Um, but I'll probably do it next week as an All-Star kind of thing and then take the break well, for the All-Star break. But looking at the upcoming grades for this trade, we have a couple of roundtables going up on GBB, or on GBB on Friday. The, the, round, the question of the day that kind of centers around one of the roundtables with our staff is what grade would you give the Grizzlies trade line deals, including the decision to keep Mike Conley? So we talked about Conley just now. We talked about the Garrett Temple trade, which the Grizzlies just made official uh, via press release uh, with uh, Jamichael Green for Avery Bradley. We talked about Shelvin Mack, which I think everybody's excited about. And then, of course, we let off the show with Mark Gasol. Uh, what grade would you give them? The, my options were A to B, well done because I figured there would not be that many A to Bs. Uh, C, meh, not bad, not good. D for disappointing, and F for awful, disastrous day. Um, F got the least amount of votes, which kind of surprised me, thanks to the 200 folks that voted. Um, The leading getter was C, meh, not bad, not good. D was second with 30%, and A to B was uh, third with 18%. So to me, looking at this, I see 62% of Grizzlies fans thinking that Memphis did average or better on this trade deadline. Considering the fear that a lot of us had that they were going to completely butcher this thing, that's kind of a success. Now, I agree that I I wanted a first-round pick. I prioritized picks over players going into this thing, and I think that's why you don't give them an A. But I would go low B, high C+, because they got good players. If their goal is to convey the pick this year, I think they still have a realistic shot at that. And I, I look at what they're trying to do moving forward. It feels like they're kicking the can a little bit. But at the same time, if your goal is to hit the reset button when you don't owe anybody anything in terms of draft picks, that kind of makes sense to me at this stage. And it goes back to what they did in the 2018 offseason, acquiring Garrett Temple and bringing in Kyle Anderson and making the moves that they did to try to put themselves in a position to compete. So I could hear an argument for B. I could hear an argument for C. So that probably settles me at a C plus mark. Uh, what, what would be your grade for their trade deadline deals combined, including not trading Conley? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, still on, I'm still firmly in the man camp, the C, C camp. I mean, you know, you, you have to look at it. And, and they just traded away three of their top assets, and they didn't get a single pick for it. You, you could say the second-rounder pick for Marcus Allen. A picture, but it's, I mean, it's like gonna, it's like 
2024, 18 years away. Like, <laughs> I saw, I saw somebody know, say that they can't wait to see the middle schooler that we take with that pick. My buddy TJ, uh, sports anchor in Mississippi, t- hit, me, hit me on Twitter. Like, I can't see, I can't wait to see the middle schooler they're going to pick. Like, that doesn't even, that's, you know, that doesn't even, I don't, I don't even count that. I think they're going to forget they have it by the time it starts, by the time it's ready to like, actually make the pick. So, like, you know, they just, they just, threw away three of their top assets that they had at the trade deadline and got zero draft assets in return. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, you think about it like that, it's not very good. Um, so, again, this feels like a very, very much a win-now trade. All of them. They, they, it feels like a Chris Wallace uh, trying to win right now prove to people that they're not out of it. And, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's more in the camp of what they're kicking the can down the road than it is of the rebuilding process. So, um, if, again, if, you, if you, that's how you view the prism of the Mark Gasol trade, I like it. I like I like Valanciunas. I think he's a good player. Um, I like DeLon Wright. I think he's a good player. CJ Miles, whatever. I mean, he's mediocre, uh, solid below average. So, like, cool. But, like, that's just not the way I viewed it. I'm not sure that's the way anybody uh, as a Grizzlies fan viewed it. I think once you announce you're going to trade Mike and Mark, you view it as, oh, we're going to blow this thing up. And I think that's been like that for a couple of weeks. I've talked about it on my show. We've talked about it together. Everybody has talked and written about it for so many weeks that it's time to rebuild. It's time time to start over. And then you you do that and you're like, that's the reaction you get. You go, oh, well that's that's meh. That's okay. Whatever. Like it's very underwhelming. Like it's just whatever. And so I think that's probably the reaction that you're you're seeing is because of that right, that right there. What people thought was going to happen, or what people had the idea of what the goal was in mind. And I think what we all thought the goal should be, and I think what the front office internally, their goal is different than what we are. I mean, I, it would not surprise me if they're inside that front office saying we, we could still make the playoffs. Would not, would not surprise me one bit, Joe. But, you know, that, that's just – it feels like a very Chris Wallace uh, – you know, it's the same thing with Justin Holiday. It felt the same way. Like, it was very much a win now and prove to people that we're still in this. And so that's 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 – kind of how it looks to me, and that's how you get a very much a man grade. I very much uh, selfishly like that. And again, I don't disagree with very much of what you just said there. I do think it's time for a rebuild. I can see the logic and argument behind waiting until the pick conveys to do that process. And I think that's what they're doing here. And after the, the tanking of last year and essentially cheering for them to lose, I kind of like the fact that we're set up now to cheer for them to win. Like I can cheer for Mike Conley. I can cheer for Jaron Jackson, who is now the second best player on the team. And I can root for him to thrive and be a 20 point a night scorer. I can cheer on this team to hope that they actually achieve a goal to convey this pick. It's almost like in semi-pro when they got fourth place, you know, Jackie Moon and then <laughs> team, the, the Flint Tropics got fourth place. That's what this is like to me. Like now we can cheer for them to win the, the Memphis, Tennessee mega bowl. They can convey sure. the pick if they finish ninth and they give up the pick. That, that's a win for this season because the rebuild can start. And whether it's with Mike Conley as a mentor figure that you keep around, I don't necessarily know that I would do that. I think you definitely have to try to move him again this summer. Wait until somebody swings and misses on multiple free agents. The cap space they have available, ship him out into that space for a couple of picks. I think that's possible, or a young player in a pick. And I think you revisit that this summer, but to me, 
the, the pick has to convey. That has to be the goal in a weaker draft. And I think that that is something that they can realistically do now, which is exciting for me to see. I'm excited to actually support them in that endeavor and not have to root for losses. And that is something that's nice. Mark, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Hopefully the Grizzlies, uh, the, the eight of them that are actually going to play. Uh, I know they said Kyle Anderson and Joe Kim Noah are there if necessary, but I don't think they want them to play. So it sounds like guys like Conley and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to get a ton of minutes tonight. Uh, Thank you very much, Mark. As always, we'll have you back on down the road. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Have a good one. Sure thing. There he goes, Mark King, associate editor of grizzlybearblues.com and the host of Locked on Grizzlies. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at King underscore producer. Next week, we'll be back on the Blog Talk Radio Airwaves. Uh, I decided during the podcast, that's what we're going to do, uh, preview the All-Star Saturday Night event with Mike Conley in the skills competition now that he is still in Memphis. Jaron Jackson, obviously, on Friday night playing in the uh, the Rising Stars Challenge, I guess they call it now, USA versus the World. Jaron participating in that. So two Grizzlies represented in the All-Star festivities. That'll be fun to see. We'll talk about that, what these new-look Grizzlies are like. You'd imagine a couple of them would play maybe in one of the games this coming weekend or, or before the break as it comes here. So we'll talk about that, how this all actually fits moving forward as they, again, the goal to me is clearly they're trying to convey this pick, how they're going to get that done. They've got a, some work to do, but I think it's possible for them. It's far more possible for them, possible, excuse me, for them to send the pick to Boston than it would be for them to get to the bottom three where the value is in this draft. For Mark King, my great guest, thanks to him. Thanks to you for listening and making grizzlybearblues.com a part of your Grizzlies fandom experience. It, I'm also just glad that it's over. The uncertainty is done. Goodbye to Mark. We, miss, we will miss him. Uh, a remarkably important part of this Grizzlies franchise for years. He has left a legacy. I, I wrote a post over at uh, grizzlybearblues.com about him leaving home, his NBA home. Um, he, he has left a pretty impressive legacy that will stand for years to come. And I appreciate uh, all he's done again, indirectly for me because he has, uh, he has given me the, the, the opportunity to get to know Memphis, to get to know the Grizzlies and to do this work that I enjoy doing so much. So thank you to Mark. Thank you to Mark King, my guest. Thanks to all of you. Uh, it's time to move forward. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Grind forth Grizz nation. I'm your host, Joe Molinax. Catch you next week. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.